Now tonight I would like to carry on where I left off last uh, uh, Sunday in the evening, speaking to you about uh, God's destiny uh, that God has placed upon our lives, and uh, uh, just want to recap a little bit. Uh, before I cover new ground, and then I want to get into a new groove. Uh, Vanessa started something this morning, and I want to like mesh two things together, and uh, and um, and it's easily done because when we talk about prosperity and and God's destiny, you know the two go hand in hand. And so let me just start out by reading the scripture again that we started uh, last Sunday in the evening in Ephesians chapter two verse eight. It says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith." And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Heavenly Father, we just commit this time to you again, and we thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us through the preaching of the word. We thank you, Lord, that you've given to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that tonight we're going to see things that we have not seen before. Lord, that there is an enlightening that's taking place to, to show us, uh, uh, Lord, specifically that walk and that path, and specifically... Lord, to show us the, the areas that you have planned for us to walk in, and we thank you for all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Just by way of recap, uh, we pointed out last Sunday in the evening that we're not just safe to go to heaven, but we have a job to do on the earth. Every person alive has a destiny in God which needs to be fulfilled. And when I say every person, I mean every person. Not just Christians, but every person. God's got a plan for every single person. Broadly speaking, the plan for every person primarily is to get saved and to get into the family of God, to get born again. And then there are the specifics in regards to the outworking of this plan uh, where it says that God has prepared beforehand uh, certain good good works that we should walk in them and specifically there it says that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them please note that the uh, Bible says here that we have been created in, in Christ Jesus for good works we have not been saved as a result of our good works but we are saved by grace and once we are saved, the Bible tells us that we, are, we have been saved to do good works uh, which God has prepared before us. Uh, in the Amplified Translation, it brings that aspect out so beautifully. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths, which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. And so every one of us have got paths prepared ahead of us that we should walk in them. Ahead of us meaning ahead in time. And then we came along and God's already got things mapped out for us. Paths of blessing, paths of good works, paths of doing powerful things uh, that we can do with God's anointing on our lives so that we haven't just been and gone again and that there is barely a bleep but that we make an impact on our world that we use the anointing of God that God has given to us to make a mark on the earth good works which God has prepared for us ahead of time now one of these paths God wants us to walk on is the path of prosperity now everybody say the path of prosperity all right 
And so, of course, that path, there are many different paths or, or paths with many different names. We could call it a path of blessing, a path of prosperity, a path of divine health, uh, a path of peace, a path of joy. God wants our life to be joyful. God wants our life to be peaceful. That does not mean that there's not going to be any trouble. But God uh, has, has it designed in such a way that even in the midst of trouble, we can experience peace. You know, they talk about the eye of the storm, uh, which is the part of the storm where things are really calm and quiet. So we can be in the midst of a challenging situation and still experience peace on the inside of us. That we just know that things are going to work out because our trust is in the living God. And uh, if you like, last Sunday evening we, we highlighted uh, three characters in the Old Testament. Uh, in the book of Daniel, there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these guys were about, they had a rough road ahead of them in the sense of being thrown into the fire. But they just faced the king calmly and they says, Oh king, he says, we are not going to bow down to your image. He says, we are not going to worship that thing that you have set up. He says, our God is going to deliver us. But even if he didn't, we would still not bow down and worship your, your silly image. And I'm just paraphrasing there. All right. So they were facing, uh, naturally speaking, they were facing death. But they had peace on the inside of them that God was going to work things out for them. And that's a kind of a faith that God wants us to develop. So once again, one of these paths that God wants us to walk on is the path of prosperity. Now, I know that religion says otherwise. But friends, you and I, we have to differentiate between what the Word of God tells us and between what religion tells us. Because you see, religion has been designed of the devil to keep people in bondage, to keep people away from the plan of God for their lives, to keep people away from the destiny of God. And, and you know, sometimes, in fact, even in my own life, it's like, it's almost like sometimes you've got to like separate out. It's, it's what does the word say and what has religion taught me? Because whatever religion has taught me, I have to unlearn. All right, and learn what the Word of God tells me. And, uh, and there's quite a bit difference. Religion pushes people down. God raises people up. Religion tries to rob people and to relegate them to a path of poverty. But God lifts us and God prospers us and puts us into a place of prosperity. And so with that, let me read from 3 John verse 2 where it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And in the King James Version, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you will prosper and be in health. So evidently, prosperity is more important than what religion has allowed us to think. All right, And so prosperity is a huge thing. Uh, as far as God is concerned, God wants every man, every woman, every child to prosper and to live a life of abundance. That there is more than enough uh, to go around. That they've got enough left over after having satisfied their own needs. Enough left over to be able to give to other people and to help other people. And so prosperity has always been a part of God's plan for, for mankind, always. There's never been a time where God says, all right, I've changed my mind now. You lot will have to be poor for the next however thousand years, and then I'll change my mind and, and, and bless again. No, no, no. Prosperity has always been a part of God's plan. All right? Poverty has never been a part of God's uh, uh, plan one little bit. And so here in Genesis, and I just want to pick up one passage here that talks about Isaac. 
uh, Nukus Isaac, Bible tells us that there was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And somehow there's something uh, significant about these men, or more specifically about Abraham, because the Bible tells us that all of us who believe, uh, the Bible tells us that Abraham has become the father of all those who believe. In other words, not only is Abraham the father of the Jewish nation, but Abraham is also our father, though we are not of Jewish descent necessarily, but because we believe, the Bible tells us that Abraham is the father of them who believe. Now, how many of you believe tonight? All right, so in a sense, Abraham is our father. And there in Romans chapter 4, it also tells us that we walk in the steps of our father Abraham. So there is something about that, that uh, repeat whatever Abraham walked in, God wants us to walk in. Abraham believed, God wants us to believe. Abraham walked in prosperity, God wants us to walk in prosperity. And of course, that blessing, and uh, you know, blessing singular, and not just blessing is in a house or a car, you know, these are the results of the blessing. But the blessing being on Abraham, which was transferred onto Isaac, which was transferred onto Jacob, uh, God wants to transfer that onto each and every one of us as well. And so let me read from Genesis 26. It says in verse 12, Then Isaac sold in that land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. All right, there's not, Pastor Vanessa has spoken to us about a hundredfold return on our giving this morning. She says, uh, or he says, reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man began to prosper and continue prospering until he became very prosperous. Can I suggest that religious folk get upset right there? Because here it does not only say that he prospered, he says, but he began to prosper continue prospering and became very prosperous all right that's God's plan that God wants every one of us to begin prospering to continue prospering and to become very prosperous it says for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants and so the Philistines envied him all right who were the Philistines? They were the heathens. They were the non-believing people. They did not believe in Jehovah. They did not believe in, in the God of the Israelites. Uh, they were worshiping false gods. And somehow it is not right that the heathens are prospering more than the believers. There's something quite wrong about that. All right, and can I suggest that to some extent it is because the devil has managed to muddle the minds of, uh, of Christian people, uh, or, or should I say more so the mind of Christian teachers, uh, pastors who have taught uh, uh, poverty instead of prosperity. And, and, and I believe that we have had enough poverty. Let's now begin to speak prosperity. Uh, let's, let's get into the abundant life that Jesus has purchased for us. And uh, so in that respect, uh, I like this passage here because it says the man began to prosper. And he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. And I've said this before, but sometimes, you know, there is a notion in amongst Christians where if somebody really prospers and really like breaks out into prosperity and the prosperity begins to manifest in their lives with, I don't know, nice things, nice home or nice car or nice holidays or whatever. It's like people look at, look at them sideways and say, I wonder what he's doing wrong. 
Well, let's, let's not say what he's doing wrong. Let's say, I wonder what he's doing right. Is there something that I can learn from this person? Is this person walking in something that, that I ought to be walking in? Does this person know something that I don't know something about? And so he possession, it says he had possessions of, plo- of flocks and, and possession of herds. Flocks, plural, herds, plural, and a great number of servants. And, you know, we've pointed out uh, in the past when we talk about servants, you know, these days, uh, uh, you know, if you employ somebody, uh, a tradesperson or something, that person is your servant for the time that they're doing a job for you. All right. But furthermore, when you buy yourself a dishwasher, that dishwasher is your, is your servant. All right. When you hop into your car, that car is your servant to take you from A to B. All right. And, uh, and, and, and all of these uh, fancy gadgets that we have today, they're all our servants. All right. Um, now, there's a principle of prosperity here that I want to point out. A lot of that goes without saying, but it's sometimes good to just call these things again so that we can grasp what, what God's trying to get across to us. That each harvest includes the seed towards the next harvest. Let me say it again. That each harvest includes the seed towards the next harvest. And Pastor Vanessa has talked to us this morning about seed time and harvest, hasn't she? Uh, And when Isaac sold seed in that land and he reaped the harvest, we need to remember that that harvest that he reaped included the seed for the next harvest, but he had to sow it. And so that there is a continual cycle of seed time and harvest, and seed time and harvest. And can I suggest that that's what happened here, that Isaac began to sow what he had, and then he reaped more than what he had sown. He put aside a portion of that harvest and sowed more the next time, so that gradually he was able to increase and increase and increase. And friends, that is the principle of prosperity. A portion of each harvest needs to be sown towards the next harvest. And God has purposed that this cycle of seed time and harvest continue indefinitely. All right? So, in other words, that a person doesn't just, you know, sometimes when people are in need and, you know, they work hard and suddenly, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they, they, they sow another seed and then suddenly they, they think, oh, there's no more need now to sow a seed because now I, I've, I've got abundant prosperity. But God says, no, I want that thing to keep going. Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest. How long is seed time going to happen and harvest? It says, as long as the earth remains. Not just for five years, not just for two years, not just for 15, but as long as the earth remains. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. In other words, God has promised us that the cycle of seed time and harvest is always there for us so long as we get involved in sowing seed. All right. So long as we work the principle, the principle is there, but we've got to work the principle. We've got God's word on it that this cycle of seed time or this cycle of sowing and reaping will continue and bring greater prosperity as time goes on. All right. In fact, let me read uh, back from the beginning. And this is, I guess, sort of stuff that uh, Vanessa talked about this morning, just different scriptures, uh, sort of different angle of looking at it. In Genesis 1.11, it says, Then God said, Let the earth produce plants. Some will make grain for seeds, and others will make fruits 
with seeds in them, and every seed will produce more of its own kind of plant. Please underline or circle the word more, because this is key. It's a principle of prosperity. God says every seed will produce more of its own kind of plant. In other words, when you sow one seed, it will not just produce one seed. Because if, if all it did was produce one seed, there'd be no point in sowing the seed. Because if you end up with no more afterwards than what you had before, there's no point. But God says, sow one seed, it'll produce more seeds. And if we sow more seeds already, then there's going to be much more seeds produced. And that's somehow, and I know a lot of that goes without saying, but sometimes, friends, we can miss it by just skimming across things and missing the whole point or the whole principle of prosperity. It says every seed will produce more of its own kind of plant. And it happened. And the earth produced plants with, grains, with grain for seeds and trees that made more fruits with seeds in them. And each seed grew its own kind of plant and God saw that it was all good. And can I suggest again that this cycle of seed time and harvest was supposed to be a continual, perpetual cycle. That there was grain. And when they sold their grain, it produced a plant, and there was more grain. And then there was uh, fruit, and there was seed inside the fruit. And as they sold more of those seeds, more trees were produced, which produced more fruit, and there was more seed, and gradually there was going to be more and more and more. And that was God's idea. Not just enough for next year, and then uh, enough for the following year, but more and more and more. Please get this. God wants us to increase as the years go by. Not just, oh, I've got enough for next year, and then the next year, oh, I've got enough for the following year. No, God wants there to be increase, that each year, each month, that there is a level up, that we're going up a notch. That's God's plan. So again, that each seed grew its own kind of plant, and each plant grew its own kind of seed to perpetuate the cycle. Now man sows the seed and man also reaps the harvest. But God causes the seed to grow and to multiply by causing the right climatic conditions. And I'm talking naturally speaking here in terms of rain, in terms of sunshine. You know, we know that, uh, that, uh, that inside each single seed there is the potential for more plants. Uh, which will produce more seeds. And so that seed has to be sown. There has to be moisture. There has to be warmth. Uh, we're getting into farming now, guys. How many of you grew up on a farm or a little bit about farming or you've got a backyard and you're, gr you're growing some vegetables? All right, praise God. And so there's got to be uh, moisture. There's got to be uh, uh, warmth and sunshine and so forth. Uh, you know, we can control when we put the seed out uh, but God controls the climatic conditions in terms of causing rain to come on this thing and in terms of having uh, 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 an environment where the sun shines on it so things will come forth. That's why when, you know, when there was a famine in the land, a famine meant that there wasn't any rain in its due time. And if there was no rain, the seeds didn't germinate and didn't uh, go through that cycle of multiplication and bringing forth another harvest. And so in Deuteronomy, God promised, and he said in, verse, in chapter 28, verse 11, it says, The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children. Everybody say many children. All right. 
Did you know that even infertility is not part of God's plan? God wants to bless us with many children. He wants to bless us with numerous livestock and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain on the, at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. In other words, we take a portion of the previous harvest and it is work to get the seed out there to put it into the ground. Uh, I grew up on a farm and that's just what we did. Uh, got involved with my parents there to be involved somewhere, somehow and getting seeds out there, whether that was potatoes to resell potatoes, whether that was grain for, for wheat, for more grain. Uh, at, at a certain time, that's just what happened. There's seed time and harvest. All right, there's seasons. It goes in cycles. And it says that God will bless all the work that you do. Now, Frank, can I just uh, move on from here slightly and suggest that, uh, uh, you know, these people were farmers. Uh, they were into, into livestock. They, they, they grew produce. They, they grew trees. They had fruit and everything else. Uh, a lot of us don't do that anymore today. We go to work on a Monday, and we work all week long, and that is our seat time. Each time when we go out and when we work for a boss, we give our boss 40 hours a week. That is the seed that we sow towards wages or towards salary that we reap. All right? And can I also suggest that in the same way as these farmers here uh, went through the exercise of putting the seed out there and then going back later on to when time for, for harvest came to bring it back in again, that was the work of their hand. But God had to bless the work of their hand. God had to, had to, with his favor, bring rain in its due season. God had to cause the sun to shine on this thing and so that the seasons would work properly so that there was abundant crop. And God somehow, God says, I will favor you guys above other nations. God says, I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll make sure that you're above only and not beneath. God says, I will bless you in the field and I will bless you in the city. God says, I will bless you going out and I will bless you coming in. Favor of God. And can I suggest that God wants to put the same favor on your life and on mine, whether we're involved in farming or not? Because when we go to work and when we put in 40 hours plus or however many hours, even if somebody works part-time, God wants to bless the part-timer and God wants to bless the full-timer. And when somebody says, I've got no time to work right now, I'm only studying, God wants to bless your studies because the favor of God wants to come on our lives. That is part of our inheritance. All right? And so the next point there, it says, bless all the work that you do. God says, you will lend to many nations but you will ne never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commandments of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you're careful to observe them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. That you will be on top and never at the bottom. All right, you know, they talk about the food chain and being at the bottom of the food chain or at the top of the food chain. They talk about, you know, the, the economy and the uh, talk about corporation, they talk about the bottom and, and, and the top and everything. God wants to elevate every single person, no matter where you are right now, God wants to elevate you. The favor of God wants to come on your life in a fresh way. So when you go out, that suddenly, somewhere, somehow, somebody recognizes that you're ready for a promotion. 
Somehow the boss looks at you and says, I can't afford losing that person. I think I'm going to give him a pay increase. I think I'm going to pay him a bonus. I think I'm going, to, I'm going to just do something because the favor of God wants to be on our life. And friend, that is largely dependent on how we operate in terms of, of whether we honor God with the harvest that comes in. And that brings me to the next point here, that the tithe ensures God's continual blessing on the work that we do. Sometimes people say, well, why, why was that tithe so necessary? And why, why is there a tithe? God says, as we honor him with the tithe, God says that uh, I will bless you. Not only will I bless the remaining 90% less whatever offering that you might have given, not only will I cause that to stretch further, than what it would go if you didn't tithe. But God says the next time when you put seed into the ground, I'm going to bless that and it'll bring forth more abundant than what it would without the tithe. In fact, uh, in some instances, uh, it is not uncommon in farming that uh, if things don't go right with the seasons, uh, if there is a, a particularly dry season, if there's not the rain in its proper time, that sometimes farmers bring in uh, hardly more than what they've sown when seed time happened. In fact, I remember a number of years ago now, must be at least 10, 12, could be 15 years ago, I went back to Austria to visit family there because that's where I was born and occasionally I go back and I went out with my brother and visiting some of the people that he knew we went out to one farmer's place and he took us out into a cornfield uh, maize where they grew maize and all those stalks of maize had on them but was just crumpled up shriveled up little bits of maize and he says the farmer says there was hardly any point in sowing this season he says it, it didn't come to anything and uh, if the blessing of God is not on it uh, then it won't come to anything. And whether that, when we were involved in farming endeavors to literally sow seed, or whether we go out and work, whether we are involved in a business or something, when the blessing of God is there, things flourish. And that's where the tithe comes in. And so I'm reading here from Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 uh, and verse 32. God says, One tenth of the produce of the land, where the grain from the fields or fruit from the trees. Here, here he goes again. He talks about the grain that the plants were going to produce. He talked about the fruit that the trees were going to produce. And of course, in Genesis, we are told that inside the fruit was more seed for more trees to produce more fruit uh, so that increase would happen. He says, whether the grain from the field or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Count of every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. What does that mean? It means that when the harvest comes in, we scoop off a tenth and we put it aside. We consider that holy. In other words, we don't touch that. We don't eat that. It's not for us to eat. God says, I want you to bring that into the house. I want you to honor me uh, with that particular portion there. In fact, let me carry on here and. Uh, and the next, over the page there it says that as soon as the harvest is completed, God commands us to bring a tenth of the seed of fruits or herds or flocks to ensure that his blessing is on the next harvest. And, and uh, if I can bring that back into our environment today, into a modern-day environment, uh, in terms of the blessing on our job, uh, the blessing on our uh, uh, business endeavors, I'm not suggesting that this week's tithe will only affect next week's income. All right? It, you know, things are not in 
neat little boxes when it comes like that. But somehow the God blesses our future. Uh, each time when we bring the tithe, God says, your future is blessed. My favor is upon your life. You will flourish. You will increase. The seeds that you bring, that you sow will bring forth plentiful uh, because God specializes in multiplying seeds that we sow. Every form of income has a tithe portion built into it, which needs to be brought to God to ensure his blessing on the next income. All right? And there in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says so aptly, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. What wealth is that? That's the harvest that we have received. God says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Once again, the language used there is, was very applicable to an agricultural people, horticultural, uh, uh, growing fruit trees, uh, growing grain, uh, having herds and flocks and so forth. And God says, as you honor me with the wealth that comes in each time when a harvest comes, as you honor me with the first fruits, as you honor me with the tithe, God says, I will bless you, and the next time you sow, it's going to bring forth plentiful again. So that this cycle keeps going uh, week after week, month after month, year after year, the gradually increase begins to happen. Uh, see, somehow, we don't go from zero to 100 uh, in five seconds uh, in terms of speeding up. And so it is with prosperity, friends. Uh, we don't suddenly become, uh, when we leave school and suddenly everything is just all laid on, like, oh, here it is. Uh, God wants there to be a gradual increase because uh, God does not want it to take years and years and years, but nevertheless, increase wants to happen uh, as we go along year after year after year. See, the tithe is the best part of our income. It is the first and it is the best. Can I suggest that bringing leftover portion, or bringing the leftover portion of our income does not honor God? Operating a hit and miss tithing system doesn't honor God. Now, can I just qualify that? Uh, when people first get born again, uh, and they come into the things of the Lord and they get established in the faith and established in the teaching of God's word and first, when they first find out about these things some, in some instances it might take people a while to move into uh, a proper system of tithes and offerings on every part of their income uh, because in some instances when people are just so so uh, uh, you know, tied in their finances and so overcommitted already, it might take them a little bit to get to, to, to where they should be. And so when I talk about uh, giving the leftovers, that that doesn't honor God, uh, I mean to say that when somebody's been a believer for years and years and has already experienced the blessing of God and then reverts to a leftover type mentality, that does not honor God. But when somebody's first starting out, God will be thrilled and pleased to see anything that they're able to, to bring to honor God with so that God can gradually you know, bless the seed that they put into the ground, no matter how much it is to begin with, so that next time there will be a little bit more and next time there will be a little bit more. And typically, when somebody would come to me and say, look, uh, I've just found out about this, uh, this tithing 
thing and everything else and somehow I realized that this is 10% of my income and, 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 and there should be an overing over and above that but somehow my finances do not allow me to do that. I somehow can't afford that. I would say, what can you afford? What percentage level can you start out on? If you can't do 10%, can you do 5 And if 5% is still too much, where are you at? What can you do now? Like Vanessa said this morning, you know, God is not looking for, for money in our lives. God's looking for a seed. And, and so if you can't afford five, can you afford 4%? Can you afford, what can you afford now? What can you put out there now? What seed can you put into, into the kingdom of God now and, and into the ground, so to speak, that God can bless that and multiply that so that suddenly next time around you can give a bit more and eventually you'll be able to, to, to easily tithe and you just get into that mentality. As soon as the harvest comes in, you scoop off the first 10% and an offering besides and you set that aside it is considered holy and you bring that into the house uh, you bring that into the storehouse according to Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 one of the things that I, I learned when I grew up on a farm and what my parents uh, taught me that's exactly how they operated as soon as the potatoes came in they put the best aside and the rest was just used for, for eating and, and put aside for cattle feed or whatever. But the, the first thing that they did was put the best aside so that next time when the harvest, uh, when the sowing time came again, they took the best out into the field, not the worst. And the same with the grain. And sometimes, you know, like there's grain, you know, grain is not always grain. Sometimes there's better parts to it than other parts. And, and various uh, uh, parts, you know, aspects of harvest, uh, they were always looking for the best to be able to carry out into the field to sow because uh, uh, <laughs> they wanted to have a good harvest again. So there's something for us to learn there, friends, that each time when we bring our tithes and our offerings into God's house, we bring it with an expectation that the next harvest will be bigger and better. Now, I suggest that that upsets religious, religious folk too. But God wants the next harvest to be bigger. Everybody say bigger. And God wants it to be better. So when we come on, well, not necessarily, can I suggest that, as I said before, it's not that t today's tithe, Sunday today, is immediately going to affect this coming week's income. But it may do. All right? It may do. And it can do. Uh, and then it's not always about income in terms of what the boss pays you or in terms of the business because God has a thousand and one ways of bringing blessings into your life. All right. And so God wants the next harvest to be bigger and better. God wants there to be a perpetual increase that year after year after year we increase. Life will become easier uh, in terms of our finances. And not just to make us more comfortable, uh, though God is all right with us being comfortable. But God wants us to get involved in other people's lives, to help them, uh, to, you know, not just uh, receiving to, to, to consume, but being able to bless other people and being able to put more money into the kingdom of God and being able to get involved in missions offerings, being able to get involved in uh, building fund offerings, being able to get involved in different aspects of this thing. So each time when we bring our tithe and our offering into God's house, we bring it with an expectation. Uh, where does that expectation come from? Well, it comes from God's word. God himself said in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God says, bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. 
so that there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord All-Powerful. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. God said that. Each time when we, when we see one of these promises, we call them conditional promises because that promise is conditional upon me operating the principle of tithes and offerings. But when I do that, I, I have a, a promise that is waiting to come to pass in my life. It raises my expectation that when I go out there on a Sunday night and I, I head into the next week, I've got an expectation, God, that my harvest is going to be bigger and better. And then next week, hopefully, is my income having been bigger if I bring a bigger tithe. Because, you know, when there's more seed, uh, more harvest, and the tithe is bigger, and I'm able to give a bigger offering, then somehow it's going to get bigger and better. That's why Vanessa and I personally, we have for years endeavored to give bigger offerings. When I say bigger is in percentage-wise from our income that let's give, give bigger offerings because we want to get more seed out there so God's got more to bless that he will bring back into our lives. Everybody say bigger and better. All right? Bigger and better. And friend, I say it again. If we want bigger and better harvests, we need to put out bigger and better seeds. And you know, sometimes it is a matter of like you've got all of, the, all of these needs should be doing this should be doing that should be doing the other but remembering each time when when something comes in by way of a harvest another income or, or some sort of a blessing um, and in fact Vanessa and I have made up our mind years ago that if something comes into our hands uh, over and above and besides our regular income that we might have uh, that a part of that is always uh, a seed for the next harvest again so, so, in other words, we do not consume 100%. There is a, somehow a, 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 a tithe built into that. Part of this thing is, 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 is seed again towards the next harvest. And so in that respect, God says, test me now in this. He says, I will open the windows of heaven. So based on God's word, there should be, as it tells us in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, it says, seed time and harvest so in other words we sow the seed then there is some time for the seed to grow under the ground or above the ground wherever that thing grows fruit or whatever it is and then there's harvest and we, when we look at Malachi there is tithe or tithes and offerings then there is an expectation and then there's increase and so I want to ask you tonight what level of expectation are we operating on because somehow God expects us to walk out that door now, looking around for the next harvest that wants to manifest in our life. Somehow expecting when we go to work that somehow the favor of God is in our lives. That somehow when we get into an environment where something is not working like it should, that even the wisdom of God upon our lives helps us to solve problems and, and to, to do things and to somehow do the job and to hopefully do better than what somebody without the favor of God would be able to do. God wants to elevate his people in their environment. That is, that is true in the area of schools, when people do education or something. God wants his people to come out at the top. That is true in the business world. That is true in the job environment, in the factory. God wants that whole deal where his favor elevates people and puts them into a greater level 
of income. So where is our level of expectation? You see, our level of faith is linked to our level of expectation. When our expectation is high, our level of faith will be high. But when our expectation is low, or hardly there at all, then it's like we go from one week to another, and though we might be honoring the Lord without giving, but somehow people have no expectation. So I'm saying, friends, let's raise our expectation. Let me just bring up one last scripture, and then we'll close. I just, uh, I just, uh, it just became revelation to me before when I looked at it. Here in Second Corinthians chapter nine, and. Uh, it's already been mentioned today, but let me read it again. It talks about sowing seed, uh, giving of finances into the kingdom of God, and so forth. And then it says in verse 10, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Just asking a question right now, and this is not a trick question. When it talks about seed for the sower... And bread for food, which is mentioned first? Seed for the sower is mentioned first. So each time when a harvest comes in, we, we might already be hungry. God says, uh uh-uh, uh, put the seed first and then eat the rest. If you eat the whole thing and you got no seed to sow, there's going to be a diminishing rather than increasing. Every, harvest, every farmer knows that. But we have to learn that in our environment, whatever comes into our hand, be that regular income, be that just somebody just blessing us with something, and certainly with, with, uh, with, with any, any, anything uh, money that has, has come into our hands uh, uh, that is over and above our regular income, for this, and I've always, always uh, tied and offered off of it and, and made an effort to give a big offering because we want more seed to go out there so there's a greater harvest coming in. Praise God. Anyway, let's close with a word of prayer and just trust God that uh, this word has reminded us of, of some things that we've already known and, and hopefully stirred us up to operate in this area because these are, friends, these are the principles of prosperity. Father, we want to thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we sense that you're here tonight. And Lord, these words are not just words, but Lord, this is the truth of your word. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for giving us a revelation, giving us a fresh insight, Lord, for those of us that have been tithing and giving offerings for many years. Right now, we're raising our expectation. Right now, we remind ourselves that you said that you would open the windows of heaven and pour our blessings in abundance. Right now, Lord God, we go out, Father, and we expect the next harvest to be bigger and better. We commit the seed to you. We commit the tithe to you. We worship you with it. We honor you with the tithe tonight. Lord, we might have already given it this morning, but we want to worship you with it tonight, reminding ourselves, Lord, that we're operating the principle of seed time and harvest. And I thank you, Lord God, for others, Lord, that are still learning these principles. Let these things become revelation. Lord, understanding that you're not trying to get something from us, you're trying to get something to us. And so I thank you, Lord God, for the Lord, that you multiply the seed sown and you increase the fruits of our righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen.